Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. It's officially college baseball season, and today's guest will be able to set the tone for the D1 season around New England. Ryan Leahy is an expert on New England talent as a former Northeast scouting supervisor for the Los Angeles Angels, here in the organization's Scout of the Year Award in 2018. During the pandemic, Leahy went all in on his own business, Recruiting Edge, a service that helps high school players get recruited by helping produce highlight videos, written evaluations, and honest professional assessments. Leahy, a former BC baseball captain and five-year professional baseball player, is familiar with many of this year's top prospects heading into the 2022 MLB draft. He'll let us know who to watch out for this upcoming baseball season. He'll also share how his pro career was affected by the diagnosis of recurring thyroid cancer and how he's refused to let that stop him from achieving his goals in baseball. Before we get to Ryan, I will quickly go through the ways that you can enjoy more content from New England Baseball Journal. Number one, to check out all of our latest stories, visit BaseballJournal.com. Number two, to get the winter edition of New England Baseball Journal mailed to you at home, click on the subscribe tab at BaseballJournal.com. Number three, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or any of your preferred platforms so that you get an alert every time a pod drops. Thanks again for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Here's former Los Angeles Angels Scout of the Year, Ryan Leahy. Hey, Ryan, thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks for being here, Dan. Yeah, it's an exciting time of year. I'm excited. We're finally starting the college season on Friday. I feel like we've been previewing it for the last month or so, and it's a really um, exciting time for New England Baseball Journal. And you played, obviously, college baseball, two-year captain at BC. Uh, you were second-team All-Big East selection. You coach college baseball at Pitt for two seasons, and now you work with high school prospects who are preparing to play in college. Uh, do you still get excited, you know, as excited as you used to this time of year? Do you get the butterflies when the college season's just getting ready to kick off? I think I still get excited. I think uh, even more than excited because being indoors and working with players indoors now, you really want to get outside and start seeing uh, you know, them see their results. And, and, uh, again, there's nothing better than, than getting outside in new England because, you know, we're not spoiled like down South. So. <laughs> yeah. And I left out uh, a key piece to your resume. You were the, uh, scout of the year for the angels. We see the angels thing in the background there in 2018. So you've kind of been through the grind of, you know, spending your entire spring season bouncing around from college campus to college campus and trying to get eyes on all these players in the Northeast. Then, uh, obviously, in 2014, you started Recruiting Edge, uh, which is your primary focus now. The mission is getting players in the Northeast opportunities to play in college. Uh, how, how exactly do you help players with that? So uh, it started to be a consulting program because when I was first uh, in the travel ball world, um, everybody would you know, ask me, hey, what do I got to do to get to here, get there? And then I had two kids. Um, and my wife, and it wasn't so easy for me to reach out and get access to people. So that's when we started the business. Um, and it was more to be an independent voice other than their travel ball coach, which slightly biased, maybe not, um, that helped me be like an independent, uh, person for them that would basically guide each player, uh, to what's best for them. Maybe not where they see themselves, their parents see themselves, but as an independent person, um, that, 
you know, I, I try to value, uh, provide the value of being super honest and, and not to a point where I'm trying to offend anyone, but trying to be realistic because I've been in this world and I've seen it from a division one standpoint, from a player, uh, from a pro scouting, you know, and again, when I was scouting, we didn't go watch division one players. Every time I, I went to two and three levels, we were looking for anybody and anywhere. Uh, so yeah, it's uh it's been a great ride and uh, we've been very fortunate to uh, have a lot of players that, that, wanted help in in an independent voice so yeah and it's interesting last week we had uh tim corbin on from vanderbilt obviously and when you talk to guys who are you know 13 14 years old and they're playing baseball in new england everybody the goal is hey i want to go play at vanderbilt you know in the sec and then play professionally after that when you really take a step back and look at it maybe that happens for two guys in new england a year you know if you look at their roster they right now they have like four guys from new england on the roster so you're right. Everybody else, you have to kind of be realistic and say, hey, what's the best path for me? What school's the right fit? A lot of times it is D2 and D3, and there are plenty of options there that are great for guys. I would think that's a difficult conversation, though, because like I said, everybody wants to go D1. They want to go play at BC or Northeastern or UConn or you know one of those big schools. What is that conversation like when you you get that skill assessment or you see the video and you say, you know, there there might be college baseball in his future, but it's not going to be at Vanderbilt. I totally agree. It's not an easy one. And part of it is developing relationships with that player and that family. And, uh, you know, I try to let everybody know that I treat everyone as if they were my own kids without the rosy eyes, you know, glasses. So um, I think it, it it's difficult at the time, but I think everybody, the coaches really tell the kids, it's not really me. I'm just suggesting what what level you know and slightly just like they would if they had a regular academic counselor they would look for a um, target school uh, safety schools and some reach schools and we kind of do the same thing in a baseball standpoint um, and give them an action plan on individually what they should be doing what camps to go there's a million camps to go to um, choosing the right ones so that they're literally spending the least amount of money possible chasing this dream yeah I just saw yesterday I think northeastern uh, posted a camp and all the schools do it. You know, they'll have an opportunity at their school. And once, once you target that school, I think that's the way to do it, where you're going to be in front of that coaching staff. You're going to be able to interact with the coaches. They're going to get to know you a little bit on a personal level. And then also say, you know, Hey, here are some, some strengths. Here are some weaknesses. Here are some things to work on. If you want an offer, or you want to get a chance to play here, or they might say, Hey, uh, you know, this isn't the school for you, but there's a lot of other coaches here because a lot of those D1 camps, you know, they'll have D2, D3 coaches or they'll have coaches from other D1 programs. I think those camps are the way to go. Is that what you find? Yeah, absolutely. Um, having worked every camp under the sun, being a, a volunteer assistant at University of Pittsburgh, uh, I worked for I, I drove down to Coach Corbin's camp at Vanderbilt and worked his camp. Um so uh, there's a lot of coaches out there It's you know, there's not as much money in, in baseball as everybody thinks. There's not even a, um, you know, a fourth paid assistant. Um, so there's a lot of challenges and the recruiting process prevent provides uh, for the coaches a way, obviously to get players on their campus. Um, and at the same time, uh, I, I think it provides the players sometimes to get a view of, of what the coaches and facilities are like, because that's kind of where you're going to get to know if you like that school or not. Um, and I find as long as you, you, you have the right school, if you go to that camp, you'll be able to get an honest answer out of those schools um, as far as if they're if they're interested in recruiting you again. Right. 
And I noticed on your website, there's a lot of different ways that you use video uh, to a player's benefit in terms of recruiting. Not only are you assessing players using video, but you're helping them put together put together their highlight reel uh, for college coaches. There's online lessons, recruiting videos, all kinds of things like that. How important and how do you use video uh, for your business and how much more important has that become during the pandemic? Videos, everything, even even from a scouting standpoint, professionally, it, it helps to be able to see a player's growth, whether it's just on Twitter and they put swings from three months ago. It's nice to see the changes that they're making, um, you know, the hard work that they're putting in at the same time. For, for us, it's it's your work. You can write an email and you can have the greatest email in the world or you can have an email with uh, spelling mistakes. If your video is good, that's all the coaches will care about. Then they'll figure out the the academic part. So, so you know, you got to have your first introduction has to be good and, and you want to have a, a solid video that shows your strengths. Um, and then again, once the recruiting process gets going a little bit, the coaches will ask, hey, send me 20 swings in a row. Um, and then send that 20 swings in a row. Cause of course there's going to be three or four in there, but, um, video super important as far as recruiting goes and, in coaching now that I, that's almost determines how you're going to go spend your summer watching games from the videos that come in, you set up your recruiting list and Hey, this guy looks pretty good. Let's go follow up with them with whoever their references are, um, travel ball coaches, high school coaches, uh, anybody that the coaches know they're going to reach out to so that they can get an honest opinion or an unbiased opinion of, each individual player. That's interesting. I, di- I didn't think of video as kind of the starting point to, to map out your your uh, scouting cycle, but that, that does make sense. You know, you want to see it. Uh, if you, Even if somebody like a coach or um, a travel coach, high school coach, they call you and say, hey, here's a kid that you should keep an eye on. You say, hey, send me their video. I'll take a look, and if, if it works, I'll be there. It's everything now because, you know, even for the players in the recruiting process, time is everything. We only have so much time. The coaches only have so much time. They have families. So it's super important to get your best video out there and and to really push yourself. I mean, I, I tell our, our families that I work with exactly what to do and, and how to go about it. I don't do anything for anybody. It's really just trying to make sure that they're actively um, – proactively uh, trying to get recruited to the right schools, because I think a lot of people spend a lot of money on unrealistic spots where I feel like, you know, earlier on in the process, if they had somebody advising them, they would have said, hold on Um, because the recruiting process is different for everybody. Um, You know, division division one schools tend to recruit a little bit earlier where uh, division three schools, really it's the summer of going into your senior year. Right. Yeah. And in addition, so you've got the assessment, the evaluation piece, obviously you help with the recruiting there's the uh, development piece where you can do video analysis and provide online lessons. Uh, something new to your business is the fall scout team. So there is the, the competitive side of it. How did that come together? And, uh, you know, what? how did it look this fall? Well, we've been in, in the first year. Uh, we, I had all the players that I'd worked with, and we we're always looking for somewhere to, to get all these guys together on the field. So uh, we came up with this scout team where we put, you know, 40 of the best players on the field. Um, the first year was at first couple of years were at St. John's prep last year. We actually had it at Fenwick. Um, and we basically took everybody's best players from each travel team. Um, there was a lot of North shore kids, um, but we've had kids from New Hampshire all over. And we ended up Mike Burrows uh, got drafted, I think in the second or third round, got a million bucks. I think um, Grant Levine, uh, obviously with the Rockies, uh, Ben Malgeri got picked up recently. 
Um, and Jack Gillis is another one. Jackson Gillis uh, was another one that, and even Cabral this past recently is another big prospect too, I think. Um, and then we had a lot of guys under the winter. Like it's, a, there are some division ones, but there's a ton of division three players. And I think it really caters to getting a bunch of players that need to figure out where you're at. And until you play with and against players of different levels, you don't really know. So I think it's another way to help everybody understand where they fit um, in the process. And, you know, we had Brian Sankey with the Braves came. Um, we've had coach Gambino in the past come down uh, coach Cobb from Northeastern. So we've had a ton of people um, uh, what other schools, but it's, it's been great. Uh, honestly, I've been so thankful for the coaches to show up and the players, but uh, the program's turned into a uh, huge, huge talent. The coaches are all interested every fall to figure out who it is. And we do it on Sundays so that the football players, if they want to show up, they still can. Um, I think that's super important for kids to play multiple sports. I was a three-sport athlete at St. John's Prep, so I feel like, um, you know, that's that's everything. So, Yeah, we hear that from so many coaches. Yeah, even last week, Coach Corbin same message. You know, we don't don't specialize until you absolutely have to because it's so important to – drum up those competitive skills, even playing other sports, you find roles that you might not get if you're the best player on your baseball team. Um, we know the financial re- repercussions of uh, the pandemic on baseball. Obviously, right now you see it in even Major League Baseball is kind of, we have no idea when the season's going to start. Um, but it kind of surprised me that in 2020, so I, I mentioned 2018, you were Angel Scout of the Year. 2020, mm-hmm. uh, at the start of the pandemic, you got furloughed. And you decided to go all in uh, on recruiting edge and kind of leave uh, the scouting business. Uh, how did you arrive at that decision? Was it a difficult one to make? And um, how do, what do you think of it looking back on it now? Uh, it was not a difficult decision. Um, having two kids and not being very present in their lives um, for five years in a row. And you can't win scout of the year scouting from your couch. Um, so you really got to get in the Northeast. No one plays up here until March. So you're spending the first three weeks on the road, no matter what, um, in the first couple of years to get the hang of it, I went down to Florida and stayed down there for, I don't know, 18 days. Um, and again, tough on a young family. So, uh, I I had the business to where I wanted it to go, where it was just a part-time gig while I was scouting, while I was home in the wintertime. Um, and it, it really has just grown and grown and grown. So we got to a point where, um, you know, scouting's not easy. It's year to year contracts. Um, sometimes there's players, sometimes there's not, um, you know, so it was to a point where I needed to either go all in on the business one way or, um, you know, leave it alone. And, and, uh, I love helping people. I, I love being honest and trying to find connections. Um, I think the part, the part with all the coaches that I have relationships with from scouting, um, really help our players now because I feel like if they send an email, I can reach out to somebody and get an honest opinion for them um, as long as it's the right school. Cause I tell them if, you know, if you email a school, you can't play at, they're not going to answer and my credibility has gone. So we try to really narrow this down to make it realistic options. That makes sense. Uh, now, obviously you spent five years as a scout up until, you know, recently, just two years ago, 2020, uh, so you're, you're familiar with a lot of these guys playing college ball now. A lot of them you probably scouted, you know, when they were coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, now, if you were mapping out your spring schedule as a scout, uh, you know, and it, it sounds like it would have been crazy to be down in, you know, Florida or Carolinas or somewhere uh, over the next three weeks. What do you think, who, who what teams would you be targeting and trying to see here in the Northeast? And uh, what would the schedule look like? Uh, excellent call. I think, um, 
Reggie Crawford is a must-see for UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Coach Penders does such a good job with his team that there's there's bound to be more than one big leaguer on his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he tends to do a really good job. Obviously, I think Northeastern has made a huge jump with their arms and everybody they keep bringing in. Um, Coach Glav does a great job. Uh, you know, they got Sebastian Keene and, and Cam Schlittler, uh, both Massachusetts kids, which um, Saruman High School and I think uh, Sebastian had a chance to, uh, you know, still put himself in the top three or four rounds. Um, and then Harvard's the other one that's got some guys this year, along with BC. Those are two of, uh, I think, next year, the, the two teams that will surprise some people with guys that go fairly high. Um, and then you can't leave out Bryant for me in the Northeast. Bryant's always got one or two guys that um, end up getting signed. Yeah, absolutely. And BC's your alma mater. Um, what, uh, what, what's your connection to the school now? Do you stay in touch? Did you, did you actually play with coach Gambino? So coach Gambino and I missed each other by one year. Um, but close friends, uh, you know, everybody that he knew when I was there was, was there. He was obviously good friends with coach Hughes and traveled with him to Virginia tech. And, um, so that coach Hughes, uh, coaching tree, who's now at Kansas state, obviously, uh, has been very successful coach Aoki and, uh, you know, all those, everybody getting the jobs. So, uh, yeah, it's been, I, I love BC. Uh, I think their facilities now are game changing for them, obviously, um, getting some big names and, you know, I think it'll have a couple guys this year that should go pretty good. Um, you know, Luke gold can, he's got some serious, serious light tower power. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he plays in the field and what they see at the next level, but that, that guy's got 30 home runs easy. The New England Baseball Journal podcast will be back after these words. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication, Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. It's funny. It seems like it's a kind of a small world in the coaching community in New England. Everybody's kind of tied together. Even at the Summer Rivalry Classic last year, you saw like the dugouts packed with all these up-and-coming coaches Mm -hmm. or assistants. Uh, You mentioned Coach Glavin from Northeastern. He started as an assistant. Now he's got that program kind of humming here in his fifth or sixth year. Uh, Gambino started as an assistant, obviously at BC. Do you, who are some of the up and coming coaches? They could even be assistants around new England that you could see, um, making the jump. Yeah, I think, uh, there's a couple Eric Pelletier is really good. Um, at Bryant, uh, fellow North shore guy. He's definitely one, uh, coach Cobb, I think has been, uh, in the mix with a few, uh, you know, jobs here and there. And, uh, I think the both guys at UConn, uh, do a great job, Horgan and uh, Mac. So um, I think those guys are next on the list as far as jobs go. I haven't met the BC assistant coaches yet, but I heard they're doing a great job. And uh, Coach Gambino seems to be very happy with their progress. 
Yeah, nice. Uh, and then as far as the high school guys, you may, you mentioned Avon Cabral. He's um he could be a borderline pro prospect this year from St. Mary's of Lynn in Massachusetts. How do you think this high school class stacks up this year? Last year, obviously, you saw Frank Mazzucato from Connecticut go in the first round. Are there any guys like that, you think, at the high school level around New England this year? I don't know how many will be there this year. I know the last two years have been really insane for Northeast guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a race, and high school guys in the Northeast are really tough to scout because the window is so short. Um, weather plays such a factor. I, I, I remember I felt like an air traffic controller uh, trying to get everybody in to see Sebastian Keen, um, Hadjar, all those guys that year. It was, it was insane. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, that's the best part of the job. So. Yeah. I didn't realize. So you're as the Northeast scouting supervisor, you, you kind of want other guys to come in and see these players before you invest a draft pick on them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the hardest part is picking, picking and choosing who, you know, who needs to be seen and then who's what scouts available to come watch that guy. Um, you know, the depth and layers to the scout, it's, it's, it's very detailed. Angels did a great job, uh, you know, with, with organizing the area and, um, you know, having, I think my first year I had all of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Vermont, Connecticut, all the way up to Maine. Uh, it was so difficult. And then slowly I, I, they gave me New Jersey up, but New Jersey's huge. So New Jersey had a lot of players. New York's got a lot of players. Um, and not necessarily do they stick in college all in our area, um, they all go all out because there's not enough. There's so many people. It's a tough area to cover in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And um, what is the, and on draft day, are you actually in there or were you in the draft room where you're kind of advocating for guys when the, when the pick comes around or how does that work? Yeah. So I had three different experiences. One, I actually went to, uh, I think, I believe it was the year I went scout of the year. I got to go to the draft, um, and answer the phone for our first pick. Uh, which was pretty cool. I thought it was Justin Dunn, but it wasn't. I thought we were going to get a BC guy. <laughs> it was a uh, it was a pretty cool day. Um, and then there was another time where we were home, just answering the phones from our cross checkers who would call us. And then um, the last two years, we were all there, um, you know, going through every pick and and getting to which I thought was great. Um, I got to work for three, two different GMs and two different scouting directors, which were awesome because for me it was you, you just get a feel for how everybody thinks, and the more you keep learning the, you know, the game and what people look for, the better off you are, uh, you know, to perform your own uh, mindset of whatever you think a player is. You mentioned you spent two years as a volunteer assistant at Pitt. Uh, that was right after your professional career ended. Um, why didn't you want to continue your ascent uh, coaching either in college or pros, or did you always have it in your mind that you wanted to be a scout? Good question. I don't think I ever knew what I was. I knew I wanted to play. And then after I was done playing, I wasn't really sure which route I wanted to go. And, um, you know, I, I came up and we had a great experience uh, financially as an assistant coach. It's, it's not easy. Um, you know, I wasn't a full scholarship guy by any means at BC. So having loans to pay and having to hustle nonstop, it, uh, the, I figured there was a better way. Um, so after I, those two years at Pitt, that's when I jumped back here and tried to figure out the development. And um, that's basically when I started forming uh, recruiting edge baseball. Hmm. Yeah. Your baseball story is pretty crazy. I, every time I was reading about it, uh, you know, kind of getting ready for our interview here, I kept being like, is this the same Ryan Leahy? Cause it's just, it's all over. You've done a million things in baseball and you're still pretty, pretty young guy. Uh, but so you played professionally from 2004 to 2008, uh, you were diagnosed with cancer during your minor league career and you ended up, uh, winning the angels 2006 courage award. Um, 
how did you initially become aware that you had cancer? Did you have a lot of symptoms? No, honestly, I just had a like a, a bump on the side of my neck and I couldn't even, I didn't even really notice, noticed it was somebody else that mentioned it to me and uh, went from there on this wild, uh, never ending uh, tour of, of uh, doctors, but uh, still have it. It's um, I have reoccurrent thyroid cancer um, I never dipped, never chewed, nothing, just uh, bad luck, I assume. Um, but yeah, I, it gave me a better perspective on everything though. I, I can't tell you how my first year, uh, coming back from, I think I had radioactive iodine, uh, that was our treatment. Um, and then I went to spring training and I actually got my own room because I couldn't be near anybody for a few days or they did. So they gave my own, which never happens in the minor leagues and never happened to me. That's for sure. Cause I didn't really play that often. Um, so <clears throat> getting all this stuff, uh, it was great to, to, be able to be back and I'll never forget um, the guys welcoming me back. And I got called up to big league camp one day. And I remember Jared Weaver uh, going, what is this part of the make a wish foundation? <laughs> and I swear to God, that's still to this day, like the best welcoming back uh, that I could ever got. So that's probably the one story that I remember from uh, coming back from all that. So. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so do you think you were, would you, were you on track to make it to the big leagues? Do you think if that hadn't, if no, you had I was lucky to get a Jersey every year and, <laughs> and I knew that. And that's why I think I played the way I played. I, I, I was like a mini Pajora with no bat. Um, <laughs> I played hard, a good teammate, uh, always organizing. You know, I think if you're not a good teammate, I, you don't last as long as I did. Um, I think being a good teammate and obviously working hard and, um, you know, I think I always knew I wanted a coach. So I was, I wasn't ever, I was bitter towards the end of not playing, but you also realize when you have Eric Ibar, um, uh, just, uh, just unbelievable players all around you. Uh, you know, Mike Napoli was our catcher one year. Our, we had Jared Weaver, Joe Saunders, um, just uh, Alberto Cayaspo, uh, Reggie Willits, almost won rookie of the year. We just, my set, my first year in double A, was the big, everybody played in the big leagues. I'd say, I think it was like 11 out of whatever, 25 made it to the big league. So for me, that was, that was as good as it gets. And that's all you need. Mark Jumbo some, to, got to hit with Mark Jumbo every day and watch how far he could hit it. So um, I, I'm super lucky to get that experience. Yeah. I should mention. So you, you won that award 2006 courage award, and then you, you stuck around in the, uh, as a professional for two more years. So that speaks to your, the attitude and you know the the influence that you had on other guys. Um, I mentioned earlier that you you played at BC. One spot I left off that you actually started your college career at the University of San Francisco after starring at St. John's Prep. You said you were a multi sport athlete at St. John's Prep. How how does a North Shore kid end up at University of San Francisco? Great question. So the area code games were huge back then, too, just as big as they are now. Um, have no idea how I made the team. Um, was the everyday shortstop. Butch Hobson was our manager. Um, uh, Rocco Baldelli, I think, was on that team. Um, trying to think who else. But it, it, just an unreal experience. We go out there. I played shortstop every day. I played okay. Got some hits. Made some errors. Um, but every eye in the world is on you. Um, and Chad Konishi, who was a great recruiter, uh, started recruiting me right there. And this is where the whole process for me like happened is – um, we had a player on our team, Brian Lentz, who from St. John's Prep, whose dad videoed every game um, and made a VHS for me. I made copies of the VHS. I shipped them out to all my schools that I was hoping on. And the coach from University of San Francisco got it, saw me at the area code games. 
Um, and I got a scholarship out to USF my freshman year. So that's how I ended up out there. I loved it, had a good experience, but had a chance to come back to BC and get into BC where I always wanted to go. Um, my family's pretty close, wanted my parents to, uh, you know, still watch me play as often as possible. Um, so luckily, Coach Hughes, I got a chance to come back to BC and uh, ended up being a captain for two years there. Yeah, that's great. Did you uh, did you play at BC with uh, Peter Frades? I did. I did. And a great, great story about Pete, um, you know, having having ALS. So Pete and I went to go to practice one day with Coach Gambino and uh, they were they were going. It was like early in the fall. So there was a lot of players that are probably shortstops that are now at third base, shortstops that are at second base, uh, everybody in a different spot where they haven't really played since, you know, now they're in college. So they struggled with re- relays and cutoffs <laughs> and uh, Pete, Pete pulls them up and, and brings everybody together. And he's like, uh, you know, Hey guys, you know, listen, it's just cutoffs and relays. It's not like we're trying to cure cancer here. And he turned and looked at me and said, you wish Leahy. And still to this day, <laughs> that's my favorite Pete Frady story. Um, the humility that he had and, uh, you know, being a St. John's guy, our families are close. Uh, our daughters, um, our similar age, uh, just a good family all around. And, uh, you know, legend of a human being. Yeah. I, I forgot it. You went to St. John's prep too. Yeah. The, um, yeah. so I, I only know him, uh, like I didn't start really getting into college baseball in this area probably until like 2010. So I really only know him as the, like a former baseball player who had ALS, but he, he was a pretty great baseball player. Wasn't he at BC? Yeah. He was, he was behind. He, we played one year together. Yeah. He, he was solid. Uh, I think, I think the things we have in common is I had number three. He took it when I left. Um, crazy story. I, I never hit any home runs. We played the bean pot tournament and I hit one out of Fenway park. How I have no idea. It's the first year of, they had seats. Uh, I don't think I even hit them in practice. Um, and Pete come, uh, bean pot time again, he hit one out and he didn't hit many and he hit, hit one out into the, uh, uh right field, uh, bullpen. So pretty crazy. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. And like I said, so you've been you've been on almost every side of baseball, you know, throughout your career, coach, scout, um, you know, now you're obviously you own a business that's helping guys get college uh, recruiting experience. Uh, what so it sounds like what was your favorite job of all those jobs or is it more, you know, dependent on where you are with your family and how old your kids are and all that stuff? Yeah, totally. I, I love them all. Uh, I love impacting people and and bringing positive energy. And, um, I, I think every job that I've been in, I've had a chance to do that. And, you know, I, hopefully the kids that I've got a chance to coach would, would say the same thing, but, uh, it's been a wild ride already, just the amount of connections. And I think the biggest takeaway is, is, you know, you never know what person could impact your life. Like you have no idea as far as coaching goes. I mean, my resume could have a million people on it for all the people that I could throw on there that, um, I've been around and, um, you know, uh, definitely not burning any bridges and being bitter about certain situations. And I understand as a player too, it's hard because you don't play and you think the coach doesn't like you, but in the long term, like that coach maybe end up on your resume. So, um, you know, yeah, put put your best foot forward. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Now in terms of, uh, last question for you, um, you know, like I said, everybody's got these high expectations they want to go to Vanderbilt. They want to go D one, uh, they want to play at the area code games, all those things that so few yeah. people actually get to experience. 
what if there is one piece of advice you give to college players or you know parents or high school co- coaches or travel coaches uh, when they're trying to set realistic expectations for college, what would it be? I go. I mean, you, you got to use all resources, and I think the the more people you go around and see, you might have a hitting instructor, you might, but just go out and see as many people as you can, and and early on try to get a feel for um, where people that are in your boat athletically, um, you know because there's a lot of kids that get recruited division one early and, and most of them are just physically gifted before everybody else. That's why it happens earlier. So I've had kids where I know they committed to a division three school and a hundred percent were a division one player, but when the recruiting process was happening for them, they physically weren't ready to be that player. So the level doesn't matter. Division one, two or three, it is so hard NAIA Juco. It is so hard to play in college and, and don't lose sight of, you know, most of the stuff you got to live the rest of your life and you got to get a job and support your kids and your wife and all the stuff that matters and getting an education is probably the most important thing. And, you know, graduating from BC, I think definitely set me up for, um, you know, to run the business and be able to scout and do all these things that I was doing at once. Uh, time management was everything. That's great. Well, it is, uh, you're a valuable piece of the New England baseball community and the, um, it's, it's been great talking to you. It's been fun catching up about all your experiences. So thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast. All right, Dan. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Before we close out the pod, a few programming notes, rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. Be sure to subscribe so you can get an alert every time a pod goes live. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit baseballjournal.com. Click the subscribe tab to get the winter edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. Thanks again to Ryan Leahy for joining the pod. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media production.